Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. It is Monday, December 19th. In this episode, we will celebrate the final of the World Cup, the greatest game anyone's ever seen in a World Cup, and crown a true monumental moment in football. But first, I want to talk about just a sort of larger meaning of why football does the things it does in the moments that it does it. Something happened uh, in this final that made football for a moment transcend its existence for the non-football people. It was a game that football people have experienced. When you love your club so much, and they survive getting relegated. When you love your club so much and your favorite player saves the day on an amazing pass or gets it from attack to defense or whatever, when you have a derby day and you beat your rival or whatever, every real hardcore football fan has felt it. It is the sublime moment that football inhabits you. It is beyond explanation. It is beyond understanding. It is a subliminal super moment. There is a thing that football does, and I can't explain it. I I think it's it's one of the problems that the sport has at a at a top level when you're watching it. You kind of go, oh, there's not enough scoring. There's not enough this. There's not enough that. But then something happens as you're watching it. And you don't get it all the time, and it doesn't happen that often, and you don't know why it happens when it does happen, but then it does happen. And this final had that. This final had that. Um, The first 45 minutes were a pure passion play from the Argentina players, a level of fight and and fortitude and attack and will. And it was all spirit. It was all adrenaline. It was all coming out of the players for Argentina, led by Messi, for Messi. They were playing both for him and for the country. Messi at that moment represented Argentina and the world's hope. I think, you know, let's be frank, There are people that are Mbappe people, but he's not at that level yet. But Messi is in a place where he has transcended country allegiance. I'm of French descent. My name's Laurent. I have rooted for France my whole life. We won the World Cup. I wasn't attached to this group of players. I was attached to Messi. I was attached to Leo Messi. I felt something for him. And and even in the beginning of the, our World Cup coverage, I talked about our, wanting Argentina to win. I have my reasons. I wanted him to be the greatest of all time. He's he's the player who's a, a has lifted football for me. Uh, I've seen him do things to other teams. I've seen him do the incredible in the early days with Barcelona when he would just disappear into groups of players and pop out the other side. And he is art. He is the divine. He is the embodiment of it as a human being. Um, I don't know why I feel that way, but I think when we get into moments where 
the inexplicable feeling happens, we have to start looking into the places within life that the inexplicable happens. So I started thinking about why did I have these feelings with this football match and specifically around Messi and around these these men that were acting as warriors and playing out all their passion within the pitch. Because Messi is art. He is seeing that painting and it taking your breath away. He is hearing that music and it taking your breath away. Or that weird feeling when, and I've only had this once, I, I don't go to the opera, I'm not an opera person, but I did go to an opera once and did weirdly feel that music and shedding a tear. I was at a friend's house yesterday and she and one of the, and Monir, who are, hi Monir and Bobby, um, and they were playing with um, like sound therapy and these gourds that were had like a vibration to them. And they could make you feel things. And it, that sound, the sound made you feel something. And so you can have that with music. And Messi does that with football. He lifts you. He can drag you along. And it's not the one game or the individual game, but the whole flow of the whole thing, uh, all of it together, his running, his movement, his story, his narrative of this boy from Argentina, from Rosario, who leaves at 10 years old, and, and needs hormone therapy and becomes the greatest player of all time. He plays with the great Brazilian Samba player in Ronaldinho and Rivaldo uh, and that and that group in the Ricard Barcelona. And then he they decline a little bit and they rise up under Pep. And then we have this revolution of of attacking football, the tiki taka with with Iniesta, and he's the fulcrum of that offense coming in from the right, and he becomes the false nine in the final. Uh, they have the destruction against Real Madrid. He he elevates his game to like 50-goal seasons, 40-goal seasons, 40 goals, 20 assists, and we run out of superlatives in his ascendancy to understand what he means because we don't have the words. Uh, and, and I know this sounds super-duper highfalutin, but this is the place that I'm in right now. This World Cup had that, and he had a foil, and there was another player of that level on his side, and that's Kylian Mbappe. I ran into Kylian Mbappe as a City fan in 2017 in the Champions League final. I was told that I had a good draw. Uh, we had Monaco in the quarterfinals, and he annihilated the City, just destroyed us. But little did I know that Fabinho, who would become my nemesis in Liverpool, and Bernardo Silva was on that team, and Benjamin Mendy, and Glick, who's on the Polish national team, and all sorts, of, and, and Radimir Falcao was on that team, and so many players who ended up being great. But it was Mbappe at 17 years old who you first saw that spark in him. And he goes on to PSG, and he becomes one of the one of the standout players in football. And football doesn't have these moments where the narrative is with you and it's moving and it feels inevitable and everything is quiet and calm until it isn't. So, you know, we have the goal from the penalty drawn, which Messi scored, of course, because he's cool and he can just do it. He helped with it, the touch, the all the little things that he does, the not moving, all, all the things. And then on the break for Di Maria with McAllister on the touch and Alvarez, all a great break. Di Maria scores it. He cries as he's scoring a goal. Argentina are up 2-0. They're cruising. 
France are on the ropes, don't know what hit them. They couldn't match the internal pressure of being Argentinian. And there was no way they could ever match it. Because I don't know that people know this, but football is not that big in France. It's big. It's, you know, in certain areas. But it's not culturally driving France forward the way football does in Argentina, the way football does in England. Football is just something that you do, and there are some French people that love it, and it's very passionate, but it's not the biggest sport for them. It's not the it's not huge. I think cycling is still their national sport. So they don't have they're not bringing this sort of cosmic energy to lift the French forward. And I don't think the French could ever match that. They would have had to they had to beat France on actually being physically better. And they did eventually come back to that. Uh, Didier Deschamps freaked out. He had to make changes. He has that passion to win. And he pulled Giroud and 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 Usman Dembele, who had a shocker. I think the moment got to Dembele, he gave up a penalty and then vanished from the game as though he never wanted to see the ball again. And we can argue about penalties, whatever. These I'm just going through the narrative of the game. And it looked like Argentina were going to win. Um, but France with its strength, with its athleticism, with its with its depth, with its knowledge that the energy and adrenaline and testosterone and all of Argentina's cholismo, which which is what they play with. If you don't know what cholismo is, look up um, uh, uh, Simeone and, and Atletico Madrid. He epitomizes the Argentinian way of playing, a shithousing, a cheating, a scratching, a clawing, a physicality, an attempt to throw players off their games and get in their faces. France couldn't match Argentina's energy, but that's not sustainable. And so as the game wore on, the adrenaline and the spirit energy of Argentina started to dissipate. And the French came back into the game. And we had a moment. The penalty that Muani, that Colo Muani drew from Otamendi, of course, never changed, Nico. Uh, played for City, used to do that kind of shit all the time. Mbappe steps up, bangs it home. Then it's on. There's a complete energy shift. Everything goes the way of France. Their ability to run, their calmness, their strength. Mbappe came alive, got the other another goal within a minute. And now this game is level. It's 2-2, and it looks as though Argentina are dead. Uh, they do manage to hang on. They do manage to hang on. Um, there is a save. <laughs> that um, There are saves on both sides. There's a save on Messi. I, I, time started to stop at 2-2, at uh, and then extra time was up and down and crazy. And and Argentina did find strength again because they didn't really make changes and they needed to. DePaul was gassed. Varane was gassed. Players are falling down, but Messi stayed calm within the moments. And, and then after Argentina made its change in the second overtime, there was a save by Martinez. I can't tell you when it was. It was a game-saving save, and there was a save by Lloris on Messi, that was a game-saving save. I don't know when this happened. It was sometime after the game was tied. It may have been extra time. I can look it up. It doesn't matter. But the reason I bring those things up is because there are moments of energy and lift and sadness and worry and energy and, and power and just like, whoa. Um, then in late in the second half, 
Argentina did get a goal and it, they were 10 minutes from time on 105. They had a lead from Messi. So Messi had delivered, scored two goals, nice Latura, almost offside by an ass. Doesn't matter. He's part of the buildup and part of the goal and scores the goal. And you think it's time. And the energy in the stadium, the Argentine energy, the kind of the lift that they got one more time. Argentina got it one more time. The cosmos was with them again and everything went again until later again in the 125, I think it was very late. Then came um, a handball on a shot by um, a handball on a shot. On a shot by Mbappe, they called a penalty on Paredes, who'd come in late. One of the energy guys came on for DePaul, and he leveled it again. So he had a hat trick, um, two penalties, and and the amazing volley where he scored. I mean, Mbappe was fantastic as well. And um, we went to penalties, and when penalties, we got the Martinez show. Emmanuel Martinez, a long-suffering player, moved to the UK at 14 years old, 15 years old, signed with Arsenal, spent 10 years on loan, barely played with them, but traced around and put in his dues in England. Um, had a moment of shine with during the pandemic, won the FA Cup for, for Arsenal under Arteta. And um, is a special player because there are players that would not be in that moment um, with it and the energy that Martinez brought was a cholismo again, was a Argentine shit housing, positive in your face, machismo, whatever you want to call it. What Argentina had that France did not have was spirit, energy, national need, uh, desire, fight. France, maybe last time they would have had it, maybe they because they'd won the World Cup and so many of the players had been a part of it and they're so good and deep and all these things. But the Argentine team just had an extra thing. I think man for man, France is better than probably most teams in the world. But on that night, in that moment, for that time, there was a cosmic energy that Argentina was able to tap into. They couldn't tap into it for the whole game, but they could find it for an hour. And they could find it in penalties. And they could find it in moments for Emmanuel, Emmy Martinez, who danced and shimmied and, 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 and shit housed and scratched the penalty spot and did all the things that Americans hate as would find as uh, unsportsmanlike, but, um, there he's in the Bella realm of like, how can we gain an edge? What can we do? Do we inflate the balls? Do we, do we videotape people? So, uh, I loved it. I felt everything. I was so happy for Messi. Uh, it felt like a moment to savior and hold on to. And the shots of people in Argentina, just in the in the oblique square of Buenos Aires, just millions and millions of people. And you really see what it means uh, to people. And that's just me. I hope I hope I didn't go to 15 minutes about the beauty and joy of football when you can cry, when you can laugh. I want to give some anecdotes about people that you wouldn't think of uh, feeling it. My wife, who 
you know, asked me five minutes before, are there any more games after this? You know, she just wasn't into the World Cup, and that's fine. But in those final 15 minutes, she started to feel it. She sensed it. She could sense the moment was there, that the energy was there, that something was happening. There's something that football does. And she was so happy. She recognized uh, Aguero, uh celebrating with the Argentinian play. She knew him from City. And she just said you, there was something, uh, uh, an energy, uh, 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 tapping into the to the world's zeitgeist that, that, that there's a billion, there's 4 billion people watching this right now. You could feel it. And she tapped into it and she loved it and Messi winning and the crying and she was swept up in it. And she even posted to Argentina. Like she watched the whole thing. Um, and then anecdotally, just on my podcast, I really wanted to like listen for non-traditional soccer outlets. I listen to the regular people. They're all, you know, over the moon, you know, we're trying to find the superlatives and hyperbole that we're always trying to find because football does this all the time. And then it, it goes up again and you don't know how to feel and you, you can't breathe. Uh, but I did notice, I listened to um, uh, Ryan Rossillo, his podcast. He normally talks about basketball and college football, but he was swept up in it and just kind of like, you can see, it. he was like, you know, you can sense it you get a sense that there's a moment happening that 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 Mbappe's there and the world is there and something different is happening. Then I I listened to PTI today, Michael Wilbon and, and Tony Kornheiser. These guys are, you know, in in their 70s and 80s. Kornheiser admittedly going, I don't know anything about this sport, and I make fun of it my whole life. But now I saw something in the moment, something attached to him, the messy thing, the story, the narrative, the penalties, how messy in this moment of pure chaos and fear just took a penalty, no problem, just stroked it home, boom, like it was a walk in the park. He was able to find that clutch gene in that moment, feel those feelings, and put the ball through, and, and, and somehow through the television, connect with this old man who didn't like soccer. Um. I listened to Gad Sad, uh, a um, behavioral scientist podcast guy. A little bit of a of a, a little bit of a troublemaker. He kind of says things that people don't like, but he's he's you know a tenured professor. He can say what he wants. But he's a massive football fan and a massive Messi fan, and he captured the whole thing in that moment as well. That's where I got some of my art monologue from. Just the sublime nature of of Messi being owned by the world and not an Argentinian and how how people can support Argentina who are from Bangladesh or how you find these national teams and you somehow connect with how they play because maybe you're from a small country and you can never get there or we're U.S. fans and our and our team has been knocked out and you want to follow a narrative that that lifts you up and so we find that moment of football genius and connecting to the cosmic universe that Messi taps into. Um, you know, he's there. He's one of those people. And you know what? I think, not to bring Cristiano into this, but Cristiano does that as well. And I think that's where the sort of yin and yang of their connection are. They both connect into these super moments of football, but on different wavelengths of people and different areas for them. Uh, Cristiano is is an athlete, a, 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 a creature of amazing hard work and he's chiseled and every moment of his life is is put together and he's what 
he's what the prince he's what the pauper would become if he could just work his way up and then you have messi who's more of the quiet artist who's married to his high school sweetheart and is kind of boring i remember five years ago ten years ago he did a u.s tour and couldn't bring enough couldn't couldn't sell out stadiums or bring enough people or promote it enough. He just wasn't interested. Whereas I think if Cristiano did a celebrity tour of the U.S., he would have, you know, Beckham and he would have Beckenbauer and he would have all his famous teammates and he would he would make it a show and he'd know what to do. Whereas Messi, I don't I don't think Messi even knows how to do that. He's he's too humble and too too bored. He'll he'll his career will end and he'll disappear. Whereas Cristiano's going to be with us forever. <laughs> I don't think Cristiano is going to be able to uh, leave the spotlight. But um, from a legacy perspective, this win for Messi puts him in the pantheon. It it does. When we get to these top-level players in history, Pele, Maradona, Gerd Müller, Beckenbauer, um, Ryan, uh, George Best, Johan Cruyff, um, these are the iconoclasts of football. Um, players, uh, Eusebio, these are players that are in people's minds and in people's voices. And when we get to that equal level of who's who, Zidane, Zidane, Zinedine Zidane, um, the World Cup becomes the tiebreaker. And you can't be at the table unless you have one. Now, does that exclude some countries? Yeah, it does. And, it, and there is bad luck there. And unfortunately, some players never played in a World Cup. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic played once for Sweden. Uh, we just saw Erling Holland didn't play in this World Cup because he's from Norway. Uh, Ryan Giggs, famously from Wales, never played in a big game like these. So it, um, it does exclude people from the conversation. And is it unfair? But it is an equalizer. It is the one thing through sport and time that marks time, that marks space, that is about your country and how you can elevate in this uneven, weird, I don't play with these guys, there's no practice, you know, it's only once every four years kind of event that creates the greatness of football and lifts individuals to levels that wouldn't normally be reached in regular season football because it's so much more of a team sport where you can't really win in a regular season as a team. But in a short tournament, you can elevate a group of players born by cohort and time, luck, cosmic, right? Messi's part of this group of players. Maradona was part of his group of players. Pele happened to be part of the greatest group of players ever collected, and they played together for 15 years together. So, and then, you know, George Best just happened to be born in Northern Ireland. Had he been born in England, maybe England wins the World Cup in in, 72, in 1970 or, or 74. Who the hell knows? Or Johan Cruyff, maybe he plays in 78 because he doesn't argue with the Dutch team, and, it, and it's not Campes who, who hits the penalty. Um, so there is luck, but you need it. If you want to be considered the greatest of all time on the one handed count or the Mount Rushmore, the four, uh, you need, you need that world cup. You need either the Jules Ramey 
or the FIFA World Cup Golden Globe. You've got to have it. And if you don't have it, you cannot be the greatest of all time. That's the rule we've made. Uh, it's unfair because only say eight countries have won the World Cup. England. Wait, let me think about it. Uruguay, England, France, Germany, Spain, Argentina, Brazil. Seven? I might be missing somebody. Italy. Eight. <laughs> and if you're not from one of those eight countries, you can't have won the World Cup. Uh, and those are the traditional powers, and they live in memory, and they're just, if you're not from there, you really don't get a chance to lift um, the World Cup. And you don't get to be considered one of the greatest of all time, unfortunately. But Messi does now. He has, there is no excuse. That used to be the hammer that you could hit him with. He hasn't won the World Cup. He's not Diego Moradona. Now he is. Went to a final in 14, lost 1-0 in extra time. The, the Mario Goetz goal. And now he has um he has his, and he was the player of the tournament by far. He was one goal off being the, the golden boot winner that Mbappe won uh, in the context of this uh, World Cup. So just incredible. And um, I'm sad. I, I'm not a big international person, but this World Cup, I got swept up in Messi. So I'm really happy about it. And um, it is the greatest game ever played. Uh, 3-3 penalties, so much drama. Mbappe there, two of the greats showing up in the moment. Uh, players, teams that are flawed, tactical changes. Scaloni really setting his team up to win. Deschamps changing his team up, going with his athletic, using his depth, and then just getting it done in the end. And I think France, knowing that Martinez had their number in extra time and they missed their penalties, Chukameni and um, and Kingsley Coman both missing, which basically dooms France in a five-penalty shootout. The, the uh, Argentinians didn't miss any of theirs. So uh, just amazing, 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 amazing. But it's over. Argentina, champions of the world. Muchachos, muchachos, vamos. Uh, so that's great. Um, but we have no time. We have no time. In two days, the 22nd of December, the Carabao Cup will return. We have the Premier League, our friends. I don't even know where they've been. I don't know where they've been up to, but I do know this. On December 26th, Boxing Day, we have a full load of teams playing. The entire league will play. But on the 20th, uh, tomorrow, what? Tomorrow, we have games for the Carabao Cup. Wolves is playing Gillingham. Southampton's playing Lincoln. And then on Thursday, on Wednesday, Man United playing Burnley. And Thursday, the 22nd, Man City versus Liverpool. I thought that everyone was playing on the 22nd. But no, there are Premier League teams playing tomorrow in the Carabao Cup round of 16. Wow. You want to talk about packing in a season. And then the Premier League will be in on the 26th on Boxing Day. Insanity. Uh, I would expect a lot of teams will have to... Figure out how they feel. When will your players be back? Uh, some players who didn't make it out of the group round 
you know, like your, your Belgium's your, you, your, well, us made it one extra day, but they've been two weeks off. Maybe they had a week off, maybe 10 days. They've been practicing with their teams. And I think on Thursday we'll go through and try and reset the season and, and figure out what happened in the Carabao cup for Liverpool versus city. Uh, I'm not too worried about this event. It's just a regular event. No big deal. Uh, I'm I'm happy that it's back, but you know it's just not really after this premier after this World Cup. It's just not <laughs> it's just not something that's a priority right now. But um, you know, very excited to bring it all back. Um, but yeah, I just hope that people appreciate what just happened uh, in this World Cup, and I hope that you watched because it was a moment that you will not see again. Uh, someone like Messi is not something that comes along. We can make up stories. Uh, you are seeing one of the greats ever. We're saying goodbye to one, frankly, with Cristiano, who's on the downside. Father time is undefeated. And, you know, Messi was always a few years younger than he was. So Messi's still playing well. I mean, I have to give credit to Cristiano. Cristiano at at 35 was still good, but now he's 38 and Messi's 34, 35. So he's still got some years left in the legs. And you could see in these games, he couldn't go past people anymore, but he still had the brain and the spacing and where to move to, but he's pure magic. Anyway, uh, we'll see you on Thursday and I'm out of here. Argentina world cup champions, Messi go. That was the squeaky bum time podcast with, Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show as it makes a huge difference 